and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at PrecisionHydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. We're also brought to you by FoodCell.co.uk. The next generation of top tube nutritional carriers for your bike designed to allow endurance triathletes and cyclists to carry enough food and gels while allowing easy access. Use the code FREEPOST for free delivery worldwide. Check it out at foodcell.co.uk. And lastly, we're brought to you by teamoxygenatic.com triathlon coaching. Helping hundreds of age group triathletes see huge improvements in their 70.3 and Ironman performances. The time training system makes sure that you get the important training done each week in a way that complements the rest of your life. All right, great stuff. So this week we have an interview with Katrina Rye. Helds, this was a perfectly timed interview. Well done by you because she's just won this weekend the ETU Middle Distance Championships. So well done you with your little psychic abilities to know who to interview. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, she's uh, making a name for herself this season, turned pro around about April kind of time. But brilliant story behind it all. And she's definitely already been sort of up there on the podium yeah nice work we've also got results from challenge roth out in germany ironman austria and outlaw half holcomb in the uk here as well so looks like there's some awesome racing this weekend hells i think we've had we've had the crazy mix of weather in some places haven't we we That's... have uh, yeah apparently austria kind of there it was all fine it was all lovely and then even in austria there was then a ridiculous storm and they had to sort of evacuate the site for about half an hour Um, and then obviously what last weekend we had ridiculous temperatures in Frankfurt and then in Hamburg this weekend it was the World Triathlon Series and it just looked rather chilly they were in wetsuits so complete crazy combo. It's like doubly punished in Austria it's been hot enough to make the water so hot everyone had to swim without wetsuits on but then they get absolutely hammered by it thunderstorms and when the bit when i tuned into facebook live i was looking at it and going oh it looks like you know the british summertime they've got a race so it was you know the cameras like cowering underneath a tree the trees are swaying the rain was belting down it just looked beastly and they had to do non-wetsuit swim yeah it's like the ultimate that's really Bad hard I think, for a lot of age groups isn't it when you train thinking it's going to be okay i'm going to get to wear my wetsuit and then it gets announced the day before that you can't wear it a lot of the guys we had racing out there had much much longer swim times than they expected and of course that goes on to have a knock-on onto the rest of the race doesn't it if you've been in the water for an hour and 50 when you're expecting to swim an hour and 25 it's it's a big chunk of your day and your energy used up just to get out of the water yeah the one, the the amazing thing about Austria is the support and the location of that course. It is just, it's in, it's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's yeah, fantastic. Because even when you come, so you swim uh, the first chunk in a lake, and then you come down a canal into T. Amazing, that doesn't it? It's all, it's this brilliant. So then you've got people either side. It's just great. And then even out on the bike course, there's loads of support. And and this year for Ironman Austria, they had built a a stadium and everything for them to finish in oh like wow. ran up a ramp onto a stage yeah amazing well i was flicking back and forwards between the coverage of roth and austria and you had this kind of 
I don't think the support on the run course that year was certainly not for the bit that I saw. Obviously, all the crowd had cleared off to try and hide in cafes. You were going back and forth between Roth, which was 10 deep through the town, to Austria, where there was like the leader running through and there was chairs getting blown over. <laughs> no one oh, was watching because no. they were all trying to stay dry. I was like, wow, what a difference a few hundred miles makes. There were bits of the Austria run course which were quite quiet. And then when you get into the town, yeah. so it was, I'm trying to think, it, it was almost been, like a... Yeah, the bit I saw it at. Yeah, like the very end when there weren't that many people and then you'd sort of loop back round and head back in towards Klagenfurt and that's where loads of people are and in the cafes and drinking and you're thinking, I just want some of your cold beer, thank you. Yeah, well, I don't think our mum's after cold beer yesterday looking at them. I watched one of the, it was one of the lead men, I'm not sure which one, but it, I think it was in second or third and it'd been reduced to a walk. And all of a sudden, like an age group had tapped him on the bum and said, come on, mates, come running with me. And then all of a sudden, three of his supporters who were wearing the same sort of like sponsored kit and the same colours came running out of a cafe with the hoods up, clapped him and then ran back into the cafe again. Oh, dear. Right. So we'll go through the full results then. Results are sponsored by Precision Hydration. And we've had an email through from listener Helen Rayner, who's just tried pH for the first time. She says, I thought you might like to know what happened when I tried Precision Hydration. A while back, I ordered a trial pack because, well, who doesn't like a freebie? So true. So true. It lingered at the back of my kitchen cupboard gathering dust. But then last week, when Rob mentioned the pH blog post, I went and had a read. The following morning, my training plan said to do a 12k run so I decided to give the pH approach a try. I drank 500 milliliters of pH the night before and 500 milliliters on the morning of the run. Now I'm not great at running in the mornings most likely because I'm dehydrated before I even put my running shoes on. What happened on the pH morning was amazing. I got a 10k run PB without trying and I finished the 12k feeling able to keep going. This is a massive success for me and I'm amazed. I've never known a product bring such massive improvements to my performance. Love this, Hells. This is like it's like proper advertising, isn't it? Nice work, Helen. Right, so what next? To ensure I get a tailored hydration strategy, I've booked an in-person sweat test in August. Hells, I don't think we need to even see any say any more, do we? I don't think we could have a better advert for pH on the show than that. No, I think that's it. Thanks, Helen. So listeners, if you haven't tried this already, go over to precisionhydration.com, take the online sweat test, get a free tube or box of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code oxygen addict it might be that taking care of your hydration has a massive positive effect on your performance just like it did on helen's right then not you helen other helen other helen (laughs) so let's kick off then let's uh, let's talk about challenge roth first obviously massively important race on the calendar looked like they had some some pretty decent weather for it as well and big news on the women's side was a really dominating win for lucy charles barkley Yep, it was uh, wire to wire. She swam 49, biked for 39, and then Rob, she ran sub three. She did a 2.59 marathon to nice. win in a time of 8.31.09, which is like one of the, is it one of the six, the, sorry, the sixth fastest time yes, over the, the iron distance. fastest iron distance time ever for a lady. The only people who've ever gone faster are Chrissy and Daniela, who both have gone faster in Roth, and Mel Hauschild, who went faster at Ironman Texas last year. So that's a solid performance, isn't it? Yeah. And she said it's 
Um, you know, you can never stop pushing and giving everything. This was very important to me because last year I got beaten right near the end, which she did, didn't she? She lost by, was it nine seconds? Yeah. To Danielle yeah. Blamel? That's right. She got overtaken in the last 400 metres or something, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, really yeah. solid run. And do you know what? Shout out to, um, my mind's gone blank. Sarah Crowley in second yes. place, whose bike and run splits were almost exactly the same as Charles Barkley's. And, and the difference between them was essentially what she lost on the swim. So she kept pushing all day. Really solid performance from her. And I think she ran just a few seconds over three hours as well. So, yeah, very impressive sort of stuff. Stride for stride. And Sarah Crowley's one of those interviews. If you hadn't heard, if you haven't heard it, we spoke to her a couple of months ago maybe yeah. three months ago so go back and listen she was great fun and a super talented athlete and Rob did you see who finished eighth go on Ruth Purbrook oh yeah I saw that on Twitter she was the she was the overall age group winner wasn't she by like 20 minutes or something she did so nine hours 12 she finished in super wow. performance from Ruth yep yeah. 58 minute swim 446 on the bike and then a 323 run she um I think she had said that she wanted to try to go sub nine. That was the aim. Um, but honestly, what a solid performance from Ruth. So, you know, she works full time. She works. I think Ruth works more than full time. Yeah. Um, if you've yeah. listened to, to us speak to her before, she works crazy long hours and then she can go and produce a time like that. So, yeah, really well done to Ruth. Over on the men's side, we had a win for Andy Dreitz. He he zoomed under the eight-hour barrier there in 7.59. And then um, the interesting thing for me was that Cam Worth didn't make up as much time as I thought he was going to. No. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to come zooming through, but just wasn't quite there for him today, was it? No. No, he didn't. He didn't get the fastest bike split, did he? No. Perhaps he was saving something for the run, though. Look, he did a 2.50 run. Oh, I hadn't seen that, really. Mm. My, do you know what, Hells? I'll share this with the listeners. Listeners, my computer is doing that thing today where it's not loading any of the web pages in the background. So oh, no, I'm, he's got the beach ball of doom. I've got the, yeah, it's beach balling around on the on the, oh, on no. the screen for me. Well, the other, the other, I think, notable run there was McNamee, who did a 2.41 run, fastest Wowzers. run of the day. Yeah. Um, so David McNamee finished fifth. Um, so yeah, Andreas Dreitz took the win in 7:59 ahead of Jesper Svensson of Sweden, and then Camworth was third. Bartano of Belgium, who finished on the podium at Kona last year, he was second. He was just behind Camworth and just ahead of McNamee. Yeah, there we go. So it does look like Camworth's backed off on the bike a little bit, doesn't it? But what an amazing run for him! That's got to be his fastest run ever, hasn't it? I don't know, but it's very swift yeah wowzers wowzers yeah. i believe there were five of the top 10 from kona racing there as well so well you got what class on there i mean it was a, a really solid field wasn't it yeah yeah it really was okay then over to ironman austria in Ironman Austria, Rob, Daniel Arif was racing and I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, how, you know, how fast is she going to go? Is she going to go and get the course record there? She didn't get the course record and it would look like she kind of took her foot off the gas a little bit um, in the end because she was really comfortable. But she actually said she wasn't feeling all the power there today. She said it was yeah. a tough day. My body was not in a perfect place 
um, my energy in the end was just I didn't have a whole load of energy at the end but still she won by nearly 20 minutes so she took the win ahead of Bianca Stura and then Heine Hartekainen Frankie Sanjana who we spoke to just a couple of weeks ago she made her pro debut at Ironman and was fourth with 9.50 and then Daniel Bikergaard of Denmark took the win on the men's side in 8.14 ahead of Sten Goitsvois and David Please. Daniela Reef's bike split there 4.43 is only like 10 minutes shy of what the men, the leading men were riding. Yeah. That's yep. quite amazing, isn't it? It doesn't look like times were as quick there as it have been in previous years. I think when you consider we've seen like a 7.45, I think, from memory, was it, that Marino did there? So it's 30 minutes slower for the men. And then Daniela to go 8.52 on a day when it wasn't like a fast day. Super performance by her. I mean, we're, the thing is, it's easy to kind of go, we expect super performances from her, doesn't it? But yeah. to be able to go 8.50 on a day when she's not feeling it and she has to shut it down on the marathon is, is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. She's just a phenomenal athlete. Okay. Racing down at uh, the Outlaw Half Holcomb. We've heard loads of good stuff. It looks like it was a beautiful day for racing down in Holcomb. And another win for Mr. Clark. Another win, another course record. And he got a puncture. I read this. That's and he still rode four fifteen or something absolutely mental like that. He's yeah, he still got a puncture and uh he still took took it out in just over four hours. So he did four hours and twenty seven seconds. Wow. Incredible stuff. Winner over on the ladies' side of the race was Kim Morrison, wasn't it? Yeah, and she just missed out on the course record by eight seconds. And I think it's Catherine Foe, Cat Foe, who still holds yes, that that's record. Right. I was going to say, yeah. that's, uh, yeah. I couldn't remember who it was, but yeah, solid course record for sure. Definitely. So 4.32 and 22 seconds was um, Kim's time. So yeah, some Amazing. great racing from yeah. the two of them. Now, I haven't seen this one, Hells, WTS Hamburg. It looks like we've had a win for non-Stanford. We did have a win for North Stanford, yeah. Uh, I did uh, watch it. Uh, I watched, yeah, I think I've caught, caught up on it all, actually. I wasn't able to watch any of it live, but yeah, caught up on it. And um, North Stanford came off the bike and basically bombed it out of transition and then held on to to take the win. And it was her first victory in World Triathlon Series for like three years. So really? She's, yeah. So she's moved from Leeds and she's moved to be coached with Joel Filial's squad. So completely different environment for her, but it's finally all that hard work has finally come to fruition. And it was so good to see her take the win. And she said afterwards that she she wasn't expecting to do that today, but just how happy she she was the conditions out there looked awful. There were quite a lot of crashes on the bike. In the men's race, a Hungarian athlete went down and then a load of them. Oh, really? Yeah, a load of guys obviously like, you know, crashed yeah. on top. Johnny Brownlee was one of them to be involved in, in that crash. And he couldn't carry on because I think his rear mech had um, fallen off. Oh, no. Snapped off in it. Yeah, oh. so he couldn't carry on. But um, Jake Burtwistle... Oh, it was such a good finish. He had Van Son Louis and Jake Burtwistle sort of side by side yeah. coming into the uh, finish shoot and Burtwistle just managed to just managed to get it on the line. If you so if you haven't seen it, 
just go back and watch it. It was a really good finish from the men's race because there were about six of them still together on like that last lap of the run. It was proper, a really proper good. fast run race finish. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. So honestly, go back and watch. Go back and watch it. It was to, fab. I have to go and check that out later on. And then finally, we mentioned this at the start, but at the ETU Middle Distance Champs, we've got to give a shout out to our interview of the week, Katrina Rye, because she takes out the gold medal, which is very impressive. Yeah, I think it was her first elite GB vest. So yeah, great top. start. What a great way to start by taking out the gold. And I'm just going to give a shout out to one of the guys I coach, Nigel Buxton. He was racing and he dropped me a message to say he um, it was really hot out there and he said he came running around on his third lap to find a lady on the floor so he stopped to kind of help her and got her up and going she went down again and he got her up and going again and it turns out she was on her last lap and he still had a lap to go so he kind of helped her along for a bit till she could get going and she managed to get across the finish line so like fair play you're racing the european championships with a gb vest on and stopping to help somebody i think is pretty amazing yeah that's a selfless thing to sure do. Sure is. Well, that leads us nicely into our interview of the week this week with Katrina Rye, won't it? Tell us a little bit about her, please, before we go on, Hells. Yeah, well, uh, she, so she works as a, as a physio in the army. Super talented, very laid back, and she was just a real pleasure to chat to. So here you go. Here is this week's interview of the week with Katrina Rye. Katrina Rye, hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. How's it going? Hi, yeah, really good, thank you. Congratulations on your recent podium at Staffordshire 70.3. Yeah, mega. That was a little bit, um, I mean, out of the blue, unexpected, but yeah, really happy. <laughs> like, So that was your first pro race, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. So, so... like, talk us through the process. Like, you know, how, how, how did you, how did it go? Um, I trained pretty hard over the winter. <laughs> um Entered, I targeted uh, Stafford as um, a nice local race. It was the right time of the year. Um, it was looking looking good um, as an amateur. And I hoped that with a couple of races, I could then finish the World Champs in 2019 and look at a professional license if I was had been good enough over the year. Um, and then once I turned up to Gran Canaria, I just ran, ran, swam, biked and ran. The race I had hoped for you know in numbers and it it was surprisingly good enough to um tick that box straight away so you know getting on board the professional side of things was a bit of a it was a bit of a tricky conundrum in a way because i had already qualified for nice the 70.3 champs as an amateur and by then racing before that as a professional i would have dq'd myself as an amateur so i'd set you know my heart's on well, winning, I guess, at the Amateur World Champs 7.3. Um, so there was a lot of discussion with some supportive members of families and friends to make that decision. But yeah, so uh, British Triathlon then awarded me my pro slash elite license after the result at Gran Canaria. So I took it up and just jumped straight in at Stafford. Was it, I mean, cause you're, you're pretty new to triathlon generally, aren't you? Yeah, so I, I mean... Um, everyone's probably feels just as new to it when there's you know step on the start line um, but I think I've, I've been doing it seriously for well seriously I've been doing triathlon properly for four years uh, the first couple of years weren't so serious and then I realized that I had you know a bit more potential to to try and find so I really like I wanted to find where that limit was I guess 
yeah. Did you did you swim or bike or run when you were younger, or was it a new thing? Yeah, so I um, did the whole kids swimming lessons, you know, all the way through. So learn to swim, got your fifty meter badge, sewed it, sewed it on the towel. Um, did you get then, up to fifteen hundred meters as a kid? I did actually yeah. one, this one time. At <laughs> um, the local swimming pool was uh, had a you know sort of junior club, which I then jumped on board and found that swimming galas on a Saturday night were my only way to get a McDonald's. Um, so that was quite good fun. I stayed doing that for quite a while because it was just a good laugh, really. Um, and then at the same time, I was playing hockey a couple of times a week and for the local club. So I took hockey pretty seriously, um, like national league and then county and regional level, never making national squads, but, um, trying to believe I was good enough, but I wasn't. And then on the side, just doing running and like cross country at school as well. So it's quite good fun. So yeah, I guess I had a good background, only ever rode, um, bikes that my dad would acquire from the local recycling centre and um, so absolutely no cycling. Check the brakes both times <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah oh they were they were very safe you know helmets <laughs> were an absolute must um if we were you know cycling down to swimming because it was raining or whatever but um so no I, I, I had a good sort of aerobic background but really focused on hockey for most of my you know early to early 20s really. And through university as well. Yeah so I played sort of first team at Cardiff Uni uh, in my, well, all the way through university, really. I just, it was an easy transition to just jump straight into a really sociable, quite good quality hockey team rather than, you know, thrash myself with triathlon. So what what made you then, I guess, hang up the hockey sticks and go more for swim, bike, run? Um, I only actually made that decision about 18 months ago so even in the first couple of years of doing triathlon I was um as I was I was just coaching myself you know trying to work out I'll do a swim here and a bike here uh and Tuesday nights was you know hockey so it's quite a heavy night so then the next day I just swim and then I kept getting a bit stuck at the weekends because I wanted to go for a nice long ride but then I had this big heavy hockey match um and the risk of injury at those matches I just kept pulling things I kept twisting things and then I'd be out and I realized that if I actually wanted to take the next you know next step in terms of um aiming for somewhere higher (laughs) where's higher um I needed to give up give up the sort of Saturdays which was a shame so that only happened about 18 months ago so yeah did you did you miss it initially because I mean it's really different isn't it from going from a team sport to something which yes you can train with others but you know when you're swimming you can't be talking underwater can you <laughs> yeah but I knew it was a way to make swimming a little bit more fun <laughs> no I like I do miss it but it was also um it was logistically quite hard especially being in the army to play at weekends because you were always a you always felt like you couldn't fully commit to a to a local team um and you were doing them a you know, sort of favour on some of the weekends. So it, it it did change once I joined the army in terms of being fully committed to the hockey side of things. But yeah, I do miss it. It's, it's fun. <laughs> Talk us through your first triathlon then. When when was that? <laughs> so officially, my first triathlon. Yeah, go, go for the official. Go for the, the official, official version. <clears throat> well, I get the true version. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got, um, having finished school, I took a gap year. Um, traveled around quite a lot, uh, got pretty fat, um, did no exercise. So coming back, um, I had my place at Cardiff to do physio and I was like, right, I probably, probably should get a bit of, you know, 
get fit um not look like a sort of anyway and <laughs> my dad managed to sort of managed to find someone who had a spare bike was about my size and there was a local triathlon so he sort of I guess did he push me into it no I think he he, he led led me easily sort of falling into it um, left left clues around the house there's a triathlon <laughs> on <laughs> yeah um so yeah I did a local triathlon um before university thinking you know originally it was just a good way to get fit and I'd never gone for a cycle at this point I think I put a jacket on in the run you know on the bike and it was it was miserable I didn't I fell off on the recce because I had the cleats and I went into everybody else you know in the group ride it was it was awful but the actual race is quite good fun it's a pool one so you never really know where you're at but yeah I don't I don't even remember how I did I think but it was quite good I was like oh you know this is all right um and then didn't didn't do it do anything with that for four years after you know through uni um and then out the other side. So then taking up triathlon properly four years ago, um, once I started working at Headley Court for the army, um, there was a swimming pool there. So I had the opportunity to just pop down, you know, 200 meters. I think I counted the steps. It's like 61 steps or something. You know, I just pop, pop down to the swimming pool before work and, you know, do, I don't know, a K. And that was going to be me for the for the week, probably, my swimming <laughs> background. <laughs> Awful. So... Yeah, mixed mixed emotions. The first triathlon, but it's definitely once once you've done one or two, you're then like, mm, yeah, hooked. <laughs> so, where, so after the break for university, when and you had got back into swimming a little bit at Headley Court, what then was the, I get, or what were the next sort of few triathlons then that you did, and was that then the real hook? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just turned up at the uh, the first one was an army sprint race so they the army puts on a sprint championships and a standard distance championships every year which is just for the military which is amazing so db max run it and then do a you know brilliant job um during working during the working week which is also a bonus and um so I did the sprint and the standard distance of those and again did well enough on my you know 400 pound i think it's built in 1994 yellow bike with little clip-on tri bars that um i made the army team that year which was you know unheard of um ruffled a few feathers probably because was everyone else there with uh, i don't know cervello or whatever yeah yeah, yeah po- pointy hair you know pointy <laughs> properly pointy helmets and i and i think i i don't know i had one from like little or something um not dissing little brilliant shop um so and then I think I entered a local one um, because it was a GB age group qualifier that I you know I'd done a little bit of research I was like oh what's what do people do in triathlon you know how, where do you go um, and it happened to be an hour away um, so just entered that and yeah and then won and I was like oh cool a GB age group so yeah that was that was the sort of next step I thought and then did the GB age group Europeans and Worlds as a sort of this is quite cool um, and, what, and what year was this twenty sixteen. Or 17 but I actually did it with a broken wrist so that was 20 yeah 2017 so I broke my wrist um cycling and then did the Europeans four or five weeks later with it sort of just strapped up and then I just swam with a fist that I was gonna say how fun. the hell okay so yeah. how the hell did you do the swim jumped onto this I just swam with a with a closed with a closed fist um, and some like some sort of DIY zinc oxide tape, so that's quite good fun. But then obviously my time was appalling. And then surprise, surprise, about six weeks later when I did the uh, Kitzbühler uh, World Champs. Yeah, it must have been 2017. Um, 
that I was actually significantly better. Uh, so, yeah, GBH group, tick. And by, by significantly better, we're talking like fifth. Yeah, yeah. So I had a good run. <laughs> that's really I think, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, the Europeans, the, quali- the quality of the GBH group Europeans is often, um, you know, discussed in terms of there's often a lot of GB athletes and of, uh, not as many of the other um countries is a shame but the world champs i find that they have a lot better diversity so i think then jumping up to sort of i think first brit was like really nice having been beaten by a lot of them at the europeans and then yeah i just had a really good race um and my mum was out cheering me on so that was nice (laughs) and was that then another springboard to kind of go right well actually i've had a broken wrist over the past couple of you know weeks months whatever that i've been rehabbing I've just finished fifth. I'm actually all right at this. How far can I take it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And at that point, there was zero chance of me ever doing middle distance or long distance. I was very much like, this is no chance. You know, two two, two and a bit hours is me. I'm happy with that. But um, you sort of slowly start to realise that there's not as much... Um, going on at that distance um, so I looked for the British champs then the Leeds um, one in 2018 um, and I just you know I thought that'd be quite a nice one to go and try and win uh, but unfortunately I then had a bit of a change of plan which was the army um, giving me the opportunity very very kindly um, to go out to Canada for four months to work as a physio out there oh wow yeah so um that then changed my plans in terms of stepping up to middle distance but it changed everything so then so out in canada then that's when you did your first 70.3 yeah yeah, yeah. So, so tell us talk us through it what was so did you even like did you take your bike out there did you have a bike what i mean were you swimming what was... so this is um early 2018 uh yeah and then so i was training quite hard at this point i'd um found a a local coach in Birmingham who was brilliant um, and we just sort of started with it and just kept going and so I was training quite hard working quite hard um, sort of long working hours at this point and then this opportunity came up and it, and it, and within that month of um, finding out that I was going out to Canada I also picked up quite a significant overload injury uh which took me out from basically doing any training so at this point I was like right well I'm going away for four months I can't do anything I couldn't swim you know without kicking her even using a pool boy and pushing off the wall it was my knee um I don't know I'm the physio I should know um let's let's brush over that one (laughs) and um psychology of injuries is a whole nother topic <laughs> and um and so I actually yeah we were allowed two times the 23 kg of airline baggage so one of those was my bike box which I did a few phone calls around to try and find out if that was acceptable and people didn't seem to care as long as you didn't go over the limit so yeah I just took out barely anything plus a bike hoping that in that four months that at least you know I don't know you could at least look at a pretty bike um even if I couldn't ride it so yeah, I took a bike out and then happened that I was thinking about flying back for Leeds for the champs um, just for a long weekend. And then was like, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. The jet lag, all that sort of side of thing. So there was a local triathlon on. And within the first couple of weeks of being there, still couldn't, couldn't train at all. Um, just a miserable sort of um, miserable 
you know, fa- fa- fake triathlete who can't do any exercise. Um, when you're meeting new people and, and you're just sort of lounging around, you feel a bit silly. But I managed to persuade two people who'd never done a triathlon before to sort of give it a go with me as well. So, yeah, we entered this, what was relatively local, it was about two hours away f- uh, from where we were in Alberta, uh, the Calgary 70.3. Uh, and then, yeah, slowly, 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 with a lot of gym work built up, back to training um i managed to get my tt bike out on the road for a few hours and then just built from there i hadn't run before calgary more than 15 20 minutes max so, and that so was Susie, so you went into the race with yeah i don't think i was 20 gonna, minutes i didn't think and i know this is a, like lots of people tell this story you know i've heard it so many times and it always amazes me but yeah i hadn't um I didn't think I was going to be able to do the run. So I just thought, I'll let, you know, we're, we're all going down for a long weekend. I'll just stop. <laughs> Classic. I'll just stop as soon as it hurts. Um, <laughs> but it didn't hurt. And I just ran super steady for me, which was like 4.30s at the time. And I just, yeah, just carried on. At one point I thought, well, this is risky because it's an out and back. So I was like, well, I'm 10K out now, you know. Better well, go I've got back. to come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, I, I, there was no way I was sprinting for anything, but luckily about the 11k, I overtook the girl who was in, in first and then, and she was flagging. Um, sorry, I, I doubt she'll hear this, but yeah, she was flagging and sort of, but then cheered me on. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just keep going at this speed and it can't be too bad. Um, so yeah, the time at Calgary wasn't great, but the competition wasn't that great either. But, um, but you still won it. And yeah, overall, and there was no pro field. So it was like, I got the little, the bike as the first, you know, the first runner. It was amazing. The experience was incredible. Um, so yeah, that was fun. And had you like, so how much leading into that then, how much swimming had you done? How much biking had you even done? So I was back to swimming maybe two, three times a week, which is pretty standard for me. Um, and if sometimes it was a bit, it was a bit, by this point, my knee was okay. Um, it had settled down, but my hip was really playing up, compensatory uh, contralateral limbs. And um, and so the swimming was okay, but the bike, I just had to really play it by ear. Like sometimes I'd, I'd be able to go out and I'd do sort of three or three hours, three and a half hours. It's just one dead straight road. That was all I had. Um, and a watt bike so like it's quite a fun little Strava route actually um just literally a dead straight road for 60k turn around go up go back so it's really great for time trial practice which Perfect. I had yeah <laughs> um with this yeah, occasional fear of death as the lorries come flying past you with no but you know that's big. part of the fun yeah um so I was cycling fine at this point and I'd been doing some decent walk bike sessions so it was really only the run because I picked up as I returned classic as I returned to running I picked up a calf strain um so yeah <laughs> I love your physio with all point. the injuries <laughs> Well, I always say, I think I feel like I should have all of the injuries. I, you know, I should start, I, I want to, I, I want to, not really, but, you know, experience all of them so then I can sort of no offer the empathy. Exactly, yeah. It's all a learning curve for physio, really. And so after, right, so Calgary, 70.3 winner, age group race only, but irrelevant, you still won the whole thing, but went into it on an, with an injury. Did you come out of it injured at all or was that all fine? Yeah, no. So I came out walking um, (laughs) slowly, (laughs) very slowly. And um, I knew that I had to be careful. Like that was unheard of really to have done that. And at that pace, 
you know, I knew that I was sort of, it was sort of borrowed time. So I really, really knuckled down and kept doing the rehab, which I would never normally do a sort of, you know, classic, you, as soon as you're fixed, you chuck it away. Um, so kept doing that and just really, really slowly did a few more runs. And I just had to be so careful with making sure I had enough rest. And again, my coach was just so good at sort of spacing these, holding me back basically, because I just wanted to run because I just love it. Um, and because I'd already entered the Vitruvian, which is actually our inter-services, so where the army raced the RAF, um, it's our race. I'd already entered that in September and I was going back in time. So I, I sort of had my heart set on that, even though I probably should have probably spent a bit more time doing rehab. But I think if you can run, I think doing rehab alongside running is the most important for physical development as well as mental health yeah yeah but it, but I managed to then run a decent run at Vitruvian which I was really happy about so and what and for you what like, decent run what would what would decent run be for you last year at that time of year I was aiming for a 125 which okay. I think I did a I think I actually I think I might have done a 125.59 so I still counted that as a 125 so it was it was nowhere near where I wanted to be and then I spent a lot of the winter actually just really trying to work on my running um, and just build some sort of form so I did a 10k race and I did a 36.15 and I was trying to do another one before I then pulled my calves again and da 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 so I haven't I'm still not where I want to be with my running but I'm hoping to run a sub 123 flat at some point this season but we'll see so off the back of Vitruvian and then Calgary 70.3 that's where you then qualified for the 70.3 world championships as an amateur for this year in Nice yeah and then that's how the whole dilemma came in as to then think right well I could go and do and try and be overall age group world champion or after your incredible result at challenge Grand Canaria then you're like oh I could go pro yes exactly um yeah I guess it was a dilemma but actually in hindsight it wasn't it was a bit of a no-brainer um and so many people sort of said you know well uh you know are you sure you know but also a lot of people sort of said wow why would you why would you say no why would you delay that just go for it you know what's what's the point in delaying it I think the the competition at the pro level is like and from staffs, sort of where I need to be, I don't know, yeah. Did the result at Gran Canaria this year, did it surprise you? Yes and no. So my performance as an age grouper was exactly what I, in terms of the numbers, like I'd wrecked the course, I'd looked at last year's results, um, swim wasn't fun, but the rest, like the numbers on paper were exactly what I had expected from my training. Um, Watts, speeds, you know, the heat, everything. The run was actually a little bit slow for me. I was a bit, you know, disappointed. <laughs> but I think I realised, you know, with that first couple of turns that I was doing rather well. So I think I probably maybe stepped off the gas slightly, but you can never tell, can you? Um, so the performance itself was not unexpected, but the how that then came across in terms of rankings yeah that was definitely unexpected um but i'm not sure emma was really trying as hard as she has in the past so who knows <laughs> you're talking about emma pallant who then you raced again funnily enough in your first pro race at staffordshire yeah Did, yeah was that weird going from having you know been in the age group mix in gran canaria to then actually being in the pro start 
Uh, I wouldn't say weird, I'd just say fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever really forget it. Just the privilege of being able to go, you know, in the pro wave, um, having that that actual race start next to the people you're trying to compete against, actually trying to find the feet of somebody who you, you think you might, but actually have no chance of keeping up with. Um which was Emma for me at Stafford. Um, Did you have a word with it before or after it? Yeah, she's brilliant. Um, so, so supportive. I even We had um, dinner actually after Gran Canaria uh, with Caroline and Mark Livesey uh, and my fiancé Mark. And we were just chatting, you know, just casual chats, good banter. And she was just like, yeah, it's good fun. You know, why would you, why would you not race? Sort of, why would you not step up straight away? Um, I think it's, yeah it's she's she's a good good egg um it was a bit weird like uh sort of standing around um everybody else as well you know there's lots of there was lots of pros there um and i think everyone's in the same sort of boat you know they're all friends by that point and you're the random newbie who's sort of coming along and being overly excitable um which was probably how they described me at staffs but i don't know it's yeah try not to be too weird no i'm sure so then what are the plans then for the for the rest of the season race wise well, that must, have, that must have changed things a little bit. Yes. So suddenly I was like, ooh, I've got, um, you know, some some fun to be had here. Do I do I set a goal of trying to qualify for the world champs as a pro? I mean, that's pretty unrealistic. But, you know, I, it can be a goal. So I thought um, Stafford was already sort of on the paper. And then I've also chosen to race Finland 70.3 in a couple of weeks. So that was going to be another opportunity. Although, again, a really unlikely opportunity to qualify as a pro for the world champs. So that's in a couple of weeks. But I also, and a sort of long-term dream, is to represent GB Elite. Um, and that's, yeah, that's that's definitely a dream for me. Unfortunately, I missed Pontevra back in May because um, I hadn't had the results yet to be good, you know, to be selected. So the next, the only one this year is the ETU middle distance in Targu Muris, is it? Yeah. Targu. So that's in three weeks. I'm racing Finland in two weeks and then Europeans in three weeks. Yeah, tight turnaround. And then I, I genuinely, I just want a little bit of um, routine before Nice. <laughs> Has it been all of a bit of a whirlwind this year? Yeah, uh, it's settled slightly now, but coming back from Gran Canaria, I went straight from Gran Canaria out to um, Nice for a couple of days and then straight, I mean, we're talking less than 12 hours turnaround and then another less than 12 hours turnaround. I went out to Cyprus for 10 days training and then got back and then had a sort of quite a busy couple of weeks at home and then tra- racing and then Stafford. And now some, someone put on my Instagram recently a countdown to Finland and it's like 10 days to go. And yeah, it, it, it all does feel a little bit, um, you know, on the production line in a way, but it's so much fun. You know, every day is just like a new, a new challenge of new, exciting sort of what's training going to hold today and so yeah definitely a whirlwind uh, but I'm cling- clinging on to every day like trying not to get ahead of myself and look too far in the future when you're in your in the final year at Cardiff doing you know your final exams and stuff would you <laughs> ever have even thought this would be what was happening a few years down the line uh no I 
I don't think I was thinking about triathlon at all at that point. Uh, I think the only thing I was thinking of is, oh, what, what can I do to avoid going to work, you know, into like regular routine work? <laughs> How can I spend my summer in the, you know, the funnest way possible? Yeah, no, definitely not the routine and effort that it takes to, to be, you know, a professional triathlete. How far would you like to go? Oh, where's the limit, you know? I, um I'm sure there's lots of inspirational quotes that you know you could pull out at this point. I like is love... I is Iron Man is that on the cards? Uh, I I laugh at this point and say you know absolutely not, no way would I ever do that. But realistically, yeah, um, I think it's coming round to me that if you know you can do a middle distance in just in four and a bit hours, can't be that bad, right? You know, it can't. I can't be. Can't. I don't know. I mean, the idea scares me, but I I would like to take the opportunity while I've got the time um, for the recovery and for the training volume this year to probably try a bit, uh, full distance at the end of 2019, maybe 2020, somewhere rather warmer than the UK. Um, but I haven't so after Nice, any kind of see how Nice goes and then, yeah, and then maybe Ironman later on in the year. Yes, absolutely, yeah, maybe. <laughs> how, how do you mix your work with you know life in the army as a physio and your training how's how's that all working so i'm incredibly lucky at the moment to for the army to sort of recognize the performance level that i'm competing at to and put me on a sort of of slightly sideline from my primary job role so they're allowing me to train full-time as a triathlete under the under the support of the TAS program as well at Loughborough University and then I'm keeping up my clinical competencies at the local physio unit and I'm, I'm doing about a day a week um, but it's in peaks and troughs sort of with race season and the high training volumes so I'm hoping obviously to do a little bit more when the race season drops down. How are you finding being able to train pretty much what four five six days a week? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's everyone, you know, it's every age group, every sort of amateur, everyone's dream, isn't it? It's it's surprising. I did a, I did a quite a lot of research myself, um, and my coach, he hasn't um, trained full time athletes before, to my knowledge, um, and so it's all it's all been quite a new experience. But I'm not actually doing a crazy amount more training. I'm just making sure that the training sessions themselves are much better quality, uh, and then timing them right with fueling and time of day, um, you know, to get the most out of whether it's an intensity session, whether it's a fuel session, whether it's something that is actually just a maintenance day, you know, having the time before the sessions to prep for the session with rolling, with activation exercises, which again, you just, you just sort of skip because you, you can. And, and there's, and that's, that's what you have to do when you've only got the 45 minutes pre-work in the morning but when you've got the luxury of having a little bit more time it is it's an it's amazing really to just be able to take your time and do everything right you know or by the book as but there isn't I guess there's no run one right way no but I, I mean that that must be it must be so different though having being able to do those extra bits because that's what makes the difference isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think what makes the difference really is the recovery side of things. And I know lots of people are getting on board and recognizing that it's, you know, it's not about doing more training, it's about making, you know, doing more recovery. But it, it really is, that's where the adaptation happens. So if you're sleeping well, if you're eating well, and if you're mentally, if you're feeling good, and you're not stressed with work or other life burdens, finances, then your training load doesn't have to be as, you know, doesn't have to be as much to get the same training bet yeah yeah as a physio do you do do you do stretching do you do foam rolling all that all the sort of stuff do you do your exercises do i practice what i preach yeah correct uh, <laughs> uh, probably a different answer depending on who you ask um do i think i do enough for me no uh, quite an easy answer uh, I could definitely spend more time doing it I as I know everybody else does find it very hard to motivate myself to do those things when things are going well and as soon as things don't go well oh you need to rely on something else and you have to do something else and it's a very hard mental shift that I'm definitely getting my head around now again I've got more time is that the maintenance piece with regards to strength and conditioning specifically and including in that mobility and activation um, and areas that you're trying to work on is not just injury prevention, um, but it's also performance gain. So the, the small intangible things that you can do to, to allow yourself to perform better in every training session rather than thinking, I'm only doing this to stop myself getting injured, which is actually a really negative view on that goal so no I don't do it enough um and I'm working on it <laughs> and as a concrete example what what do you reckon most age groupers could benefit from doing along those lines then I think setting realistic goals okay. um rather than thinking oh what, what which exercises should I be doing I think you, you need to think about well, the why first so do you want to if if you're thinking I'm only doing S&C or strength because I'm trying to prevent from injury then you're probably thinking of like the compensatory exercises so things like um, your hip flexor stretches you know opening up the hips because you're doing your cycling and you're running whether you're doing um, posterior chain work so your hamstrings and your glutes because of your position on the bike whether you're doing posterior shoulder work because of the work you do on your shoulders it's very basic and you can google strength and conditioning exercise you know for maintenance but I think if you're actually going to really want to target something in your sort of really critical 20 30 minutes you just you want to have a, a performance goal to it as well so are you doing a single leg dip or or a split squat to focus on your knee and hip control if if you're thinking about your power transfer on the bike and your stance your stance phase on the run rather than oh this will make me stronger more resilient as an athlete for injuries that would be my advice. It is a, it is a completely different way of thinking about it, isn't it? Yeah, and it, and we actually don't have that much research to say that all of this stuff prevents injuries. So that's another hard one when you when you're presented with all of the information, you then question well, why are you doing it? But we like, we do know the theory. So if we can apply the theory, just like training, you know, intensities, progressive overload. If we can apply the theories of increasing x to make this more stable to allow more power transfer then you know hopefully that's a, that's enough information to set a proper goal yeah that is, again it's 
it's another element to add to the to the whole it's, training it's so, thing, isn't it? That's why triathlon is generally so much fun, isn't it? It's not just the, the exercise, you know, the swim, bike, run. It's all of the technical aspects of training and, and experimenting with what works for you, of training load and, yeah, strength and conditioning and rehab and prehab, whatever you want to call it. It's great. Would you be most likely to be first out to swim, absolutely mm-hmm. smashing it on the bike and getting the fastest bike leg or overtaking people on the run um overtaking people on the run had only from the only experience really is staffs i guess um i'm never never that great on the swim um now definitely not comparing myself to the pro athletes um kind of what would you be out of the water in from the couple of races I've done, uh, 26, I don't know, I'm not really sure actually, 26, 27, yeah. maybe, I think Stafford was 28, you know, I think it was quite, I don't know, I, I'm hoping it was quite long, yeah. um, and looking at some of the other splits, but I am training around the 123s, 25s yeah. in terms of race pace, um, and that the tracker at Staff's put me at 130, so whatever that you know um but then the bike i'm pretty strong with so i held quite good bike strength at gran canaria and stafford uh, and then the run i managed to overtake into go to go to get onto the podium so yeah i guess the run is where i'm slowly reaping the benefits of being a runner in the past as long as i can stay injury free <laughs> and is that your favorite bit do you do you love getting onto the run uh love hate relationship i guess yep. Probably so as everyone. <laughs> I love it because once you're there, nothing else can go wrong. You know, you've you've always got the element of the unknown in the swim and the bike. You've always got the un the unknown of mechanicals or you know there's just well there's everything you know everything in theory. It's a pretty catastrophic way of looking at it, but lots can go wrong <laughs> in the bike. You know, you've got you've got the stress of making sure you're not drafting. You know, you've got the stress of other you know sometimes traffic. Um, but the run, it's just you. You know, it's just you and however much effort you want to put in and can put in at the time as long as you're not carrying injuries obviously so yeah definitely the run is is the bit where I'm like at my happiness so since turning pro Rob she has on the podium at Staffs on the podium at Finland and then on the podium just this past weekend in Romania so the top of the podium as well (laughs) yeah at the top exactly so plenty to keep an eye on with Katrina Wright over the next few months love it all right then let's jump over and we will have a go through coach's couch this week so hells this week what i've decided to do for this week and the next few weeks is we're going to talk through how to analyze your race performance um because what i've seen is a lot of a lot of times when athletes have raced we get a, a sort of note in our Facebook group that says, I did this race and either it went really, really well, in which case brilliant, or it didn't really go the way I hoped it did, in which case not so brilliant. But the key thing with all of this is I try to get our athletes to have a look at their their performance really objectively, whether they've had a good race or an, a race that they weren't quite so happy with. And to go through, we've got this race review document that we use with people because the idea is we need to treat our race results as a process rather than as as like an outcome and go through all the things that went really well. So even if you had a good race, have a look at the areas objectively where you think, well, do you know what? Even though I did a good time, there were areas here where I could have improved. And particularly for the races where you didn't have the overall result that you wanted, sometimes going through the race 
really methodically helps you find lots of real positives in it. And you can go from feeling disappointed to thinking, actually, there's loads of really good things came from that. And the reason we came around to this way of thinking is because I think it's natural, isn't it? We put a lot of focus on, well, I want to go and do X time. I want to do five hours or 10 hours or whatever the number might be. And it's a pretty arbitrary target. And if things don't go your way, then you can end up just feeling like all that training was was for nothing, essentially. So by going through the process and finding all the things that did go right, I think you can get a lot of satisfaction from thinking, well, all these things were really good. I can take care of X, Y and Z to, to make sure things go a little bit better later. So here's a couple of things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to the athlete post-race review document that I use with the team athletes. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so people can download this. And I encourage people to download it and print it out and actually write on it in pen. So you've got a physical copy in front of you. There's loads to write down on here and you can do as much or as little as you like. But what I'll say is the more that you write on it, the more you're going to get out of it because the more effectively you're forcing yourself to review. It's essential that you reflect on it honestly and accurately. You need to look at your expectations before the race and review your training leading up to the event and then look at the data from the race that you've got and compare what actually happened with what you planned was going to happen. So again, a big part of this is getting athletes to go back and look at the sort of the race planning document we have people use beforehand and then compare whether what they actually did was what they planned to do or not because yeah. often that's where the like they say the devil's in the details don't they you can often find out that the reason you didn't have a good run wasn't because you didn't do great training it was because you ended up pushing a bit too hard on the bike mm-hmm. for example okay so go to the show notes you can download a quick copy of this print it out go through it especially if the race that you've had recently hasn't been the race that you hoped two things i think it'll help you feel much better about yourself which is really nice but it'll also inform future planning for how to execute that race come race day rather than thinking you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater and i'm giving up triathlon because i didn't get the time or the place i wanted but Hopefully it'll give you a bit of a G up and reflect on all the things that did go really well. So one other thing here, once you've been through it, if you are one of these people who've not had the race that you deserved or expected, I've got a couple of slots available this week that you can talk through your race results with me over Skype or FaceTime or the phone if you want. So there's a link in the show notes, pop your email address in there and I'm going to email a couple of our listeners and work out a time we can chat and we can see if we can help you out see if we can work through the race review document with you and see if we can help you out for next time. Sound cool? Sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds cool. All right. So those links will be in the show notes. If you've not had the race you wanted, just bang your email address in there. And uh, hopefully I'm going to have a couple of slots this week where I can just help a couple of people out. Right then. News this week, Hells. Let's kick off with Nicholas Spirig, shall we? Yeah. Amazing. So, oh, by the way, before we kick off about what she's actually done this weekend one of my favorite interviews so this really is one go back look through and go and have a listen to it because it's it was such a good interview because you don't often yeah you don't often hear her talk as openly and things like that so yeah it was a really amazing insight into her life anyway rob she was when when i spoke to her she was pretty heavily pregnant she gave birth to their third child in April 
she was back on the start line in Hamburg this past weekend, not just on Saturday in the women's race. She also did the mixed relay on Sunday. And oh, my goodness, she finished eighth in Hamburg. So she can't be, even if she gave birth on the 1st of April. Literally 11 weeks ago, 11, 11 weeks ago. 11 weeks ago. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. Really, really. Wow. And um, so she, I think that's pretty much Tokyo. I don't know if it's quite done and dusted, but it's got a to be, massive. Hasn't it? You've got to be the selectors much. looking at that going, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. back in shape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and she, I mean, honestly, Rob, she was pushing it on the bike and she was, you know, she didn't, it's not like she got dropped massively or went massively backwards on the run. Yeah. Because that would be the hardest bit. Yeah, well, that yeah is totally. That is the hardest bit, isn't it? To, yeah. to, to do after, after giving birth. So, oh, she's just phenomenal. No so yeah, question. eight she's, place yeah. finish for her. That is absolutely amazing. Would you give a shout out here to our sponsors of the new section, Food Cell? Food Cell are a superb top tube nutritional carrier made of cool dimpled plastic rather than a saggy bag. So it's much more aerodynamic. You can fit loads of gels or flapjack or even a full spares kit in. And it's got a slider mechanism on the top rather than a zip. So you can slide it open with one finger as you're riding. You can get out your gel or your food as you're riding and slide it shut again so you don't lose stuff as you're going along. I had this on my bike when I raced a couple of weekends ago, Hells, and it fitted an entire flak in there inner tube two co2s inflator and multi-tool all went in there nicely and it didn't rattle around so i was totally covered for aerodynamic kit without spoiling the lines of my beautiful triathlon bike you know how important that is to me yep yep <laughs> and you didn't have you know inners sort of falling off or anything like that didn't have they all tucked around. in safely yeah especially on a rough course like the one at abasok on the back lanes no spares flying out for me food cell were down at holcomb half this weekend got loads of good uh, reports back from people who raced at holcomb of having met mark on the stand there he was giving out nice new did you see those get your flow on t-shirts for people who bought them down at holcomb mm-hmm. so um you need to get yourselves over there if you haven't bought one already at an event. You can use the code uh, FREEPOST. Yeah, there we go. The code FREEPOST for free delivery worldwide. So if you're in America, Canada, Australia, it'll be delivered by courier to you. These things are absolutely awesome. And they've got you covered for a way to either carry food or a spares kit as you are riding. Hells, tell me how the Canute Kids Duathlon went this weekend. Oh yeah, we had race number three race yesterday. Number three of the series. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I need nice to. I, I honestly, I need to go and like lie under a. I absolutely pooped. I need to go and lie in in a, in a dark place. I think and just take a, a few weeks to um, hide and reflect. Um, yeah, bet. it was so. Yesterday we had 120 children taking part. We had about 30 enter on the day, which was just like insane. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a Good few, for you for who... having on the day entries available because, like, as a parent of a kid, it's dead tempting to go, well, we'll enter you beforehand. But then you think, well, 15 different things are going to come up before now and then, so I won't bother. And often people will make that decision to actually go and do it on the day of the race. So I think it's yeah, a brilliant we had a few. idea. We had a few. Even even after registration had shut, it's like, oh, can we enter? You're just like, oh, God, yeah, yes, yes, um, yes, no problem. Yeah, brilliant. Or like two minutes before the fun run. Ah, oh, little, I don't know, little Johnny's just seen his brother race. Love it. And he wants Get to race in. now. Get can he do in. it? 
yeah, no worries. Go on, do it. <laughs> so love it helps. Yeah. That's the so attitude. This summer we've had nearly yeah, nearly three hundred children getting them involved in like running or duathlon. Isn't that cool? It's really good, yeah. Really impressive. So, love it. So yeah, that Pushing was uh, that was my weekend. And mate. um Oh, it was honestly crazy. I, I do need a little, uh, I need a lie-in, I think, Rob, at some point. But hey, that will not have happened for a while. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, Lucy Gossage, it was long course weekend in Tembe this weekend. Yeah. And um, Lucy obviously completely smashed it. And she said, uh, long course weekend is purely and simply fun. So good to be back. Who reckons I'll be able to resist another trip this year? Is that the biggest hint that she's going to do Ironman Wales? Oh, well, maybe. Who knows? Who if knows? If you're racing my Wales, you're going, no, don't do it, Lucy. Don't do it. Stay to, stick to working full time. <laughs> um, and she said, P.S. 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 Watch out for Rebecca, who finished second. I think she's one to watch. And yeah. uh, Rebecca, who finished second, Rob, um, is actually Rebecca Duxbury. And um, she, this year... Um, someone uh, got in touch with us Daniel Anderton said Rebecca Duxbury's season just keeps getting better 12 months on from not owning a bike that's an ITU long world's win second age grouper at staffs and now a long course weekend podium wow and she ran 315 as well which and that is not flat. That course is that super is impressive, flat. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right, so quick results then. Lucy Gossage in first, Rebecca Duxbury in second, and Jill Cliff in third. And then on the men's side, we had Oliver Simon take out in nine hours flat, Jason Williams and Jordan Kelly. And then my old mate, Gareth Petts in fourth. Good to see him oh, with a 250 marathon. Nice work, man. He's always, he's always running them down to try and finish. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And Rob, what about um, bad swimming? Your dad? Oh, we're going to close with a little anecdote today. So if there's kids listening, it's perhaps not one for the kids to hear this. It's a bit gruesome. So my dad, God bless him, 75 years old. uh, My dad lost his his left eye in a rugby accident when he was in his mid-20s. He was charging down a ball and dived on it and got kicked fully in the face. And so basically I grew up with my dad having a, a glass eye. Um, which he's had his whole life. He went swimming while he was on holiday last week. I'd lent him a pair of my goggles and he came back and he said, I tell you what, those goggles don't half have a strong suction cup on them, Rob. I was out swimming and all of a sudden, he said, I felt my eyeball pop out into the goggles oh, as I was God, swimming. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so I want to say to the listeners, next time you think you're having a bad swim, you go to Austria oh and it's non-wetsuit and you go going slower than you think. At least... You're not oh floating goodness. around in the middle of the sea. And he said, I couldn't take the goggles off in case. In case oh, my God. Flat. I feel a bit like. I know. It's a bit queasy, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Just had my toast, Rob. Oh, bless. But bless my dad getting out there and giving it some. I don't think he's I don't oh think he's given up the idea of, of doing a triathlon yet at 75 years old. It'd be great well, to see him do one. I, I think. My mum and dad, when, when did they say? They said at some point, they were like, oh, yeah, we were thinking we might go and enter one. I was like, really? Yeah, My dad, brilliant. when he tries swimming, um, when he does front call, because he has like no flexibility in his ankles at all, he honestly kicks and he goes backwards. We've all <laughs> been there. 
it goes the wrong way. Yeah, he's had swimming exactly lessons. Exactly, in help. my first swim sessions myself, and used to read those like those two twenty swim sets, and they go like warm up, four hundred meters kick, and you go, I literally cannot get to the end of the length kicking. No, like, how am no. I supposed to do that? Yeah. So there we go. But, well, anyway, let's see if we can get our parents maybe next year to do a triathlon yes. in their sort of very late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies. That's or a great idea, actually. Yeah, it's a great idea. He might not thank me for pushing him into that. Oh no, I think they might. They might yeah. enjoy it. They can just do. A, they can do a super sprint or something like that. But all they could do is a relay. Oh my god, I'm just putting too many ideas Love out it. there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll tell you one thing, and then I've got to go, Rob. Okay. I went for a recce of the peak skyline on Saturday oh, on my own. Yeah. How was it? A little bit scary, completely out of my comfort zone. Um, me with my map. Uh, it gave good me confidence you. that I can actually yeah. read a map, so that's good. Um, lost the path a couple of times. Visibility was absolutely rubbish. I couldn't see the cat and fiddle. Um, and I did think, what have I signed myself mm. up for? Oh, my There's, God. If you get lost in the mist up there, you really can up on top of the peaks you can just not know where on earth you are can't no. you very very quickly Moreland. it's quite it's quite yeah. humbling yeah so it, so for that it was a good confidence booster saw a few d of e groups out and felt ridiculously sorry for them but i did think <laughs> seriously oh my god i'm in for a tough day on when the 3rd of august the 3rd of august is it yeah Brilliant. 50k i only did 20 <laughs> it took me three and a half hours no worries helps <laughs> just another 30k to go it's easy oh when you're not God. looking at the map. The map takes up loads of time. I was thinking. That was what I was thinking. Just every two minutes, just keep on checking this sodding map. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyway, there we go. I'll I'll keep you posted. I'm going again next weekend for another recce. Love it. Cool. <sighs> All right. Well, we shall find out more about that next weekend. So next weekend, of course, we've got Ironman UK coming up, haven't we? Yes. No I pro race at Ironman there. UK this year. So it's a, bit, it's a bit odd not having a pro race, isn't it? I think so. I am going to be there on the run cheering on awesome stuff if you're doing it i will have an oxygen addict t-shirt on not that you're going to be in any not you but you know listeners doing it friends of listeners doing it not that they're going to be in any state to actually be looking into the crowd but i will be cheering like a loon on the one here that you've got a sore left hand from high-fiving people hells uh yeah sore voice well you probably hear the sore voice next week certainly will give hells a shout out you'll hear the voice before you recognize the face of course great stuff so if you are racing ironman uk best of luck to you beautiful course it's going to be a wonderful day out and i'm sure we're going to get some decent weather this year so good luck to you all right everyone so thanks to our sponsors precisionhydration.com foodcell.co.uk and teamoxygenaddict.com triathlon coaching until next week everyone have a great safe training and racing week i am coach rob wilby i'm helen murray and the best of luck to you with your training and racing until next week we'll speak to you all soon everyone thanks a lot see ya